a software company manages and interacts with hundreds of APIs. These APIs require testing, performance analysis, authorization management, and release management. In a word, APIs require collaboration. Postman is a system for API collaboration. It allows users to test APIs with collections of requests and monitor the API responses and visualize the query results. Users of Postman can collaborate with their team through team workspaces, sharing collections, environments, history, and more. Abhinav Asthana is the founder of Postman, and he joins the show to talk about API collaboration. Postman was started as a side project, as a hobby project. It's grown into a large and successful business far beyond the original product of API testing. If you would like to advertise on Software Engineering Daily, you can send me an email, jeff at softwareengineeringdaily.com. You can reach more than 30,000 engineers every day, and we'd love to have you as a sponsor. And if you are a listener who wants to become a paid subscriber to the show, you can go to softwaredaily.com and click subscribe. On Software Daily, you can also find information about different topics. You can find episodes that relate to one another, and we'd love to have you as a subscriber. So thanks for listening. Abhinav Asthana, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Excited to be here. You work on Postman, which is a platform for API collaboration. What is API collaboration? So Postman started off as an API REST client. Today, we service the whole spectrum of development, testing, operations, and monitoring for APIs. And what we kind of learned was that all of these things require close collaboration between different teams when they're using all these tools that are there on the Postman platform. So what effectively Postman's collaboration platform lets all these teams do is come together on a single platform, work together, share, and get feedback on things quickly and effectively, and just you know help you build high-quality APIs faster. I remember using Postman in college. You started with that original just API client use case. And at what point did it become something that was bigger that actually resembled a business? That's a good question. So Postman for me was kind of like the side project for a while, and I built it to solve my own problems working on APIs. And what I learned was that the problems I had was basically like the entire developer community shared, and those were the things that people were dealing with. So we actually uh, had the first version on the Chrome Web Store back in 2012. It got featured on the new version of the Chrome Web Store in 2013. We had about half a million users back then. And there was just so much incoming feedback and usage on the product and so much more that people wanted us to do that you know, we decided to start a company. And at that time, we were fortunate to get our investors you know, to write a check for us. Uh, that was where we kind of, you know, started thinking that this is a very big company that we're going to make. Can you describe the usage of Postman today in more detail? What does the average developer use it for? So there are a bunch of use cases. The first one that typically most developers would start with is what I call like, you know, this debugging loop for APIs. So you are a developer, you're writing some code, you want to make sure that the API works as expected. And you would fire that API call in Postman, ensure it's working. And if it's not working, you go and fix something and then go back to using Postman again. 
So that's a very core use case that sticks to developers on their day-to-day workflow. Beyond that, what developers then start doing with Postman is documenting these API calls, creating richer documentation to be shared with others, writing test suites so they make sure that they don't have to manually look for bugs anymore. They can write automated test suites in Postman and carrying on from there, they can integrate Postman into their continuous integration workflows and and their build pipelines. Eventually, all the way to when they ship an API to production, they can use our monitoring service to make sure that those APIs are working as intended. So for a developer, we take them through this whole cycle of thinking about an API, testing their first API call, all the way to using it on a regular basis to make sure all those APIs are working. And so if I'm doing API testing, what are the different aspects that need to be tested? I mean, there's so much that goes into an API. You've got performance and consistency, and you want to test for the right inputs. Tell me about the workflow for doing API testing. So some of the first things that people like to do is make sure that the API data model is correct. Like, am I sending the right parameters or am I getting the right response? So the way we look at this whole process is kind of like defining the right boundary for your software. So you're writing all of this code and the API is effectively like a boundary through which data is coming in and out. And where developers start with is specking out that, you know, what would happen if I send a malformed parameter? What if I have a use case for which, you know, I need to get a certain response? Is that response correct? So you kind of start with the very basics there. You want to look for what are the right status codes for the API. So sometimes developers would start if they're building a REST API just with the default that their framework gives them. But you want to make sure that, let's say, if you don't find the right response on your server, you want to return a 404. Or if something was not working, you know, you kind of return something in the 3xx category. So there's kind of like this evolutionary loop for your API that kind of happens. And with APIs, generally, you're not testing just one API endpoint. You're testing sometimes your API in conjunction with other APIs. So you want to see like the flow of those APIs, is that working or not? Or you might want to run a regression test to make sure if you make a change in one API, then is that change not breaking all these other endpoints that you have inside your API? From that point onwards, if you once you ensure that your API is working as per defined behavior, you can go towards checking for security parameters. So making sure that if you, let's say, inject something or you try to kind of break the API into spitting out some data that you didn't intend to, you would want to check whether the API is secure. That way, Postman also returns request call data. So how fast is your API at a per API call level? Is it taking too long? You know, where is exactly the flaws at in terms of your infrastructure? when you're looking at it from a performance perspective. All of these things kind of you know, go in there. Some of the more complicated parts are really testing for all the different ways in which an API can go wrong, and you can embed those test cases in Postman. So you know, the testing landscape, like as we have studied, is like there are lots of different terms associated with it, like integration testing, contract testing, functional testing. And I'm kind of giving like a high-level summary of kind of all of those, but you can pick one of these as your preferred approaches towards testing and then kind of go for that. So if I'm a developer and I'm messing around with APIs, I could use curl, I could use wget. 
why would I use a platform for doing API testing? So that's what, you know, where, like, I'd say the world state was when I started building Postman. And I was, you know, one of those developers who would have to rely on curl. So one basic problem that you end up with is as your APIs get more complicated, working on a command line with curl or wget becomes very hard. And something as simple as sending a simple parameter, you know, if you make a change in one character, your API will not return the right response. So all of those things kind of become very hard. It's okay sometimes for simple APIs if you're doing just a basic get call to fetch some data, that's fine. But as you go towards building a more complicated API requests with form data parameters, files, and you also have large JSON responses to process, you end up typically writing a homegrown API client yourself. So when I actually was building Postman, I used to go to developers and ask them like, hey, how do you solve this problem? And everybody would have their own API client that they built on the side to help them with API projects. So what we learned was that we could just solve all of these problems in one go. You, we help you construct those requests better. You see the responses in a pretty way. You don't see them as a single line JSON text. And once you see them in a legible way, you can just you know do that faster, the debugging process and the testing process faster. Now, you know the interesting part about APIs is that, and the way we define it is that an API is an intent to collaborate with somebody else. You know, if you're writing code, it's something that you might use it for yourself. But if you're building an API, somebody else has to use it. Otherwise, it's going to be a pretty sad API. You know, like I built an API just for myself. But sometimes those relationships extend to you know, backend and frontend developers. It extends between backend and backend developers when you look at microservices architectures within a company. It extends to development teams across different business units, different development teams working across company boundaries like partners. Or if you look at public APIs where you are individual developer relying on public APIs from the likes of like Stripe or AWS or Google. So when we kind of looked at this problem of API testing, we saw that it's not just about making sure whether the API is, is working, it's whether these people and these teams who are working with each other through this connecting pipe of APIs, are they working better or not? Okay, and what we started building towards was helping uh, developers and teams manage the complexity that comes with it. So the next step that happens is, okay, you tested that the API is working, but what if an API changes because somebody else you know, changed it? Now they might not know which parameter that you were relying on or what was the behavior that you relied on. And there's an interesting law called the Hiram's law here that you know all observable behaviors of a system will be relied on by consumers of an API. So even API producers typically don't know how exactly consumers are using. So this becomes a collaborative problem, right? Like somebody changes an API, somebody else relies on it, somebody builds other APIs on top of it. So the reason you use a collaboration platform is to solve like this meta and a much more major problem of making sure that you're working fast enough. You can do that. You can you know, send curl calls over email or Slack, but as the problem scales up across you know, hundreds of thousands of APIs, you would need a collaborative system to help you do that. You've built a variety of other tools around this problem because you know, API collaboration wasn't even a space when you started Postman. You basically identified that this is actually a really big opportunity. So there's one product you built called a Postman Workspace. Can you explain what a workspace is? 
Yeah, absolutely. So workspace is an interesting concept as we developed it as Postman evolved. So one of the things we saw was to solve this collaboration problem, you know, people are essentially sharing files all over the place. Even Postman collection files, they would download it and share it to others, or they would sometimes put it inside a repository and other people would take it from the repository. So there was a lot of like this back and forth that was happening through tooling. So what we envisioned was a shared environment in which different people can come in, they see the same API as everybody else, and Postman workspaces are a real-time collaborative construct. So if, let's say you and I are working together on Postman and you change something, then I'm going to get that update with an automatic diff of what was there. So we can, if you imagine you know, what Google Docs is to documents, a Postman workspace is the same thing for your APIs. And you can invite as many people as you can. You can do your testing, you can do your monitoring, you can do your debugging and documentation, all of that together. So it just cuts down a lot on the amount of time it just takes to you know share things along. So that's what Postman Workspaces help you do. Workflow, by the way. So like, let's say we got a company with two developers in it, and I'm developing a service that's downstream of your service. You know, you've got the service A, and your service A is often calling service B, which I maintain. So we've got this interaction pattern between each other. You know, whenever I deploy a new version of my API, you need to be able to hit that API still. So what is the workflow like? That's a good question. So you know, we are a little bit non-opinionated about which workflow you would like to adopt because there are certain social constructs you know, between people. But in this case, you know, one thing that we would recommend is, you know, before I go there, so the notion of a workspace in Postman is that they are contexts, they are not containers. And the difference is that you can have a workspace for yourself and somebody else can have a workspace for themselves. And the same thing can be shared between the two because I'm seeing something in one context and maybe you're seeing something in the development context and I'm seeing something in the consumption context. So what here we would do is you would create a Postman collection and we can probably talk about Postman's design tools if it comes to, but now we are flexible with respect to what we support, an open API file or whatever. So I would, let's say, create a collection or some documentation. I would share it in your workspace. And if I make changes to my API, update something, you will get the same change. An alternative is we can create a shared workspace and I can invite those developers and they can build something together. So if I change something, I will update that collection. That collection is going to be synced automatically to somebody else's Postman instance, and now they get an updated version of the API. So there are two models available, and as, as the development team kind of scales up and they have different contexts of going from development, staging, production, you have all that flexibility there. Can you tell me more about how companies actually use Postman? Because I know how I've used it as a, just a rogue random developer in college, but I'd like to know more about how like actual enterprises use it. So Postman is being used at large enterprises across you know hundreds of developers working together for all the cases from design to production. So typically for larger organizations, they are structured into individual teams. Those teams will be part of the same Postman account. These teams will have the workspaces that they work in along with you know other teams having their respective workspaces. Once the entire organization is on Postman, 
what they end up doing is kind of having a system that becomes like a source of truth for their APIs in Postman. Okay, so everybody in those teams keeps that source of truth up to date, and then they share things across workspaces for all the aspects of your API cycle. So this would be designing your APIs through open API files, GraphQL files, or RAML files. Of course, the debugging use case is something that's a day-to-day part of every developer, just like yours. So they use it for API consumption and API debugging, building and sharing documentation for those APIs. A key part is integration testing and test automation. So a lot of those teams have developers working alongside ops, alongside QA, and the QA engineering team would build test automation suites in Postman using the APIs that the development team has published for them. And then they would be integrated as part of the CI pipeline that the ops team is running. And in this construct, the same things that you are using to share an API act as quality gates in your pipeline. And then the ops team takes those things, you know, builds the pipeline. And once the APIs go to production, they use the monitoring service to make sure, you know, they are able to hit those APIs or they also use it for just checking, you know, once in a while that things in production are working well. So that's the production workflow. We also see use cases across non-developers who are involved in what we call the business of APIs. So this involves, let's say, driving adoption of public APIs through our documentation tools that you can publish, building recipes, or onboarding journeys for your API buyers in a way. So all those things happen for large enterprises within a Postman account. Tell me about the stack of technologies around Postman. So I'm imagining myself issuing an API request in Postman, and I'm wondering what's going on on your stack. So Postman uses Node.js for almost all of the client and the backend services that we have. Postman is written in JavaScript and Node.js. Today, we published the application on Electron. We actually recently announced that we'll be having a web version of the app. It's called Project Artemis for us. So it's going to be launching soon. But our JavaScript background kind of helps us do that. Now, when you send a request in Postman, the interface calls our Postman runtime. So Postman runtime is an open source project under Apache that basically executes the request. It executes those test scripts and renders the response back for the Postman interface to process. So those are things that happen on the client side of things. We, of course, have other tools that complement the runtime. All of them, again, are on JavaScript. So this is a client-side version of things. And you know, I forget, like the Postman runtime also has an open source version called Newman that you can run in your command line that's published through NPM. So that's a stack of tools that you use to run requests. So every time you send a request, you know, the runtime runs those things, you know, tells you whether things are working or not, processes the response back, and puts it in the Postman interface for you to parse. Now, what you also have is you know, the cloud aspects of the collaborative platform. So that's what, so we are on AWS, and we have about, I'd say, 50 microservices that power that experience and the tools that we offer on the cloud monitoring tools, documentation tools, mock servers, and things like that. Again, we are very heavily based on Node.js, and there is a whole stack of like tools that we use within AWS to power that. Tell me more about that. So like on your back end, what's the AWS infrastructure look like, and what have been some interesting architectural decisions you've had to make? 
that was actually a very interesting you know journey for us one of the things we learned and you know we thought we knew about apis pretty well because we have been kind of breathing that space for a while so the first architectural model looked like actually hubs centered around the three founders of postman so <laughs> the star, the code that i wrote was basically like you know abhinav's hub the code that ankit wrote wrote ankit's cto it was ankit's hub and kind of like the way we divided it was was basically how it evolved and my third co-founder abhijit who managed you know the sharing and the collaboration aspects in the early days along with like certain things of billing so those were like the three hubs and they kind of were like the largest pieces of code that we wrote and as we started evolving more we understood that we had to you know of course hire more engineers kind of segment that work and our first split was around back end and front end so there was like a back end team and a front end team so a client team and a back end team and then what we started realizing was that that doesn't work very well for software delivery we'd have like a lot of different issues between teams when it came to shipping so today we are actually organized around this notion of squads so each squad owns a particular domain of the postman product and we follow like these domain driven design practices so a particular domain in postman would be documentation so anything to do with documentation including the client apps the backend apps the data stack all of that would be owned by that particular squad and that squad then essentially communicates through apis with other squads that's where we have been like a little you know like we are evolving and we are not at that aws level of strict separation yet but most inter squad communication happens through apis internal apis and squads publish these apis again we use postman for that and then other squads can reuse that functionality easily a related part of our stack is client application so we have modules like rendering and editor which are available for the entire company to use when they're building interfaces we have a design system that helps us kind of manage that and related to these squads which are intended for product delivery we have a platform team that looks at infrastructure security and operations and these teams interface with squads at a platform layer so they are helping them manage like aws better helping them manage security and quality independently so we have like this these centralized teams and then these distributed teams around different squads which communicate to each other through apis talking more about how postman fits into the workflow can you just describe like as i am working on my api where are the different places where i am using postman like am i using it to test the api as i'm developing it am i using it during the re- through some more of the use cases for actually using postman so i'll talk about like the ideal workflow that you should have if you are using postman for that and we have this whole notion of you know being api first if you were to start from the very beginning so what that means is let's start from the fact that you just had an idea about an api so you would open up postman you can write your specification file in postman and you have kind of just sculpted like the first few endpoints and what you would be able to do in postman at this point in time is create a mock server or a prototype of that api before you write any code so at this point in time you have a specification file you have some documentation and you have a prototype those things you would then translate into code which would be outside of postman so you would go to your editor you would have your repository you would translate that prototype 
onto a framework and that's where you get a living breathing api and the cycle of writing code intersects at different points in time with the api cycle so you've written your code there and now you want to test it whether it's working as intended so you come back to postman use the postman client fire up the request response and see if it's working as intended now Within Postman, you can update the specification, you can update its prototype, you can update its documentation, and then go back to kind of code again. Or you might stick to code and flesh out a few things there and then come back to Postman and update these things. So that's like the first part of the development cycle. The second part of the cycle is when your API is a little bit more finished. And typically we see two people or two kinds of people who might go from a single developer to a different developer. So it might be a front-end developer who has to build a client application to integrate the API into that application. Let's say if you're building a smartphone app, that's what you might take the real API along with the prototype and you start using Postman to test out like what you would be using the API for, does that work as intended? And then the front-end developer would incorporate that API and that application. And again, they would have like their coding tools to do that. So Postman kind of acts as the glue here to connect the backend developer and the frontend developer. Another persona that comes in is the quality engineer. Now they would start testing out the API very early in the cycle. They know what's coming up. They will start thinking about ways in which they would want to probably break the API. They would write test suites in Postman. All of this would happen in Postman with the JavaScript code that you can write. And in the early phases, we still see a lot of manual testing work because the API is not really finished. Now, we just go with these three units, you know, backend developer writing the code, frontend developer consuming the API for eventual integration, and a quality engineer testing out the API for an eventual test automation suite. Once you go past the testing phase, the backend developer would check in into a master branch that, hey, this API is done. The tester would check in their test suite, and the frontend developer would check in their application. And then that whole API testing part of it would be run on Postman's tools. So kind of like the way, at least, you know, we see it as that this is a unidirectional flow, but the fundamental truth about APIs is that, you know, every time you make a change, you have to go through the cycle again. And that change in the cycle can come from any place. The tester might discover that, hey, this API is not working for X use case. So they might communicate back to the developer that please go and update the API. And then the front-end developer has to go and, you know, kind of make changes there. So every time there's a change in the cycle, this dev test and deploy cycle is what you use Postman at different points. So hopefully that gives a picture of the workflow. Definitely. Now, Postman is built in Electron and at least the user-facing client, the desktop client. And I'm wondering if there are any interesting challenges around building in Electron, which for those who don't know is the platform that's kind of like a browser wrapper uses Chromium to build desktop applications? So Electron has been actually, you know, one the reason we actually chose Electron was that if you kind of go back a little bit, Postman was a Chrome app and Chrome apps were basically attached to the Chrome browser with elevated permissions to help you send API calls. I mean, for, from our perspective, behind the firewall. Okay, so Postman's core technology was Chrome apps and the advantage with Chrome apps was that you didn't have to ship the entire Chromium runtime you know, separately, they would just be attached to the Chrome browser. So what happened for us was actually Google deprecated the Chrome app platform actually twice. 
And then we had to figure out a way to service all of our users across all three desktop platforms. And we you know, looked at what was out there and Electron basically was the best choice, which gave us like the widest reach among developers. Now, the challenge with Electron is that, of course, you have to build a performant app through that. And the other challenge with anything like a technology like this is that you have to do a lot of work at the API level when you're integrating the desktop application with a native OS experience. Like the APIs need to work well, and there are certain limitations that you typically run into. That's one kind of challenge. The second challenge typically is around how often you can update these applications and give like a newer experience to people. Typically, Electron applications can take, if you're running a lot of them together, they can be taking up a lot of memory at times. So we kind of work a lot on just optimizing for performance. And that's been like a continuous you know, journey for us. And kind of looking at VS Code, which is probably like the most popular editor in the world today. And they've kind of shown a lot of ways in which, you know, how they can be made performant. So those are the typical challenges that we see. And yeah, you know, we've been just trying to meet expectations for people across all from. So the advantage is that and development teams and companies that are using Postman don't have to be bound by one operating system. But yeah, you know, there are things that we have to do to make sure people get a great experience. Tell me more about the testing and how Postman fits into an automated testing or unit testing procedure. So typically, you know, the thing that maybe some listeners would be familiar with is like the testing pyramid. So UI testing, integration testing, and end-to-end testing, right? So unit testing is something that you do at a code level to make sure the function that you wrote is working well. Integration testing is typically where you kind of go towards APIs, and that's where you look at whether the combination of APIs and the individual APIs that you're working is working well. There is some confusion in the community always, like, you know, whether an API endpoint testing is unit testing or not. So we treat them the same way. And then there is end-to-end testing, which is basically running your application through Selenium or Cypress or any other end-to-end automation testing tool. So Postman fits in right in the middle with a little bit of that overlap on the unit testing side if you choose to kind of go that way. So you would test all your APIs together in Postman or you would test them individually. And there are, you know, like with contract testing and functional testing, there are a lot of techniques around this. But yeah, that's where our sweet spot is. Postman has a abstraction called collections. Can you explain what a collection is and how it's useful? So according to our definition, a Postman collection is an executable API description. So what that means is that unlike static descriptions, the requests that are there in a collection file are ready to be sent and executed. A Postman collection can contain templates of API requests. It can contain documentation about those requests. It can also contain scripts that are supposed to be run before and after the request. And those are powered by the Postman runtime. So a Postman collection at its core is this. Actually, one more important thing it helps you with is storing authentication information securely. So you can say to Postman that I want my API to be authenticated in this way, like auth1 or auth2, or you want to use basic auth. So all of those things all those pieces of metadata are inside the collection. And a collection can be used for anything in your API development cycle. So you can use it for testing, you can use it for prototyping, you can use it for combining like different APIs together. So again, unlike static API descriptions, 
which are meant for one API. A collection can contain multiple APIs together. So there are lots of these use cases of APIs that spring from its core definition of an executable API description. Earlier, you mentioned something called Newman. What is Newman? So Newman is a command line companion of Postman. There is a Seinfeld reference there. So there was actually an interesting line in Seinfeld, which said that, you know, Newman in the show is the last name of the character there, says that, you know, Jerry, the, the Postman always has to kind of keep running. It has to continue delivering mail like all the time, you know, like it just never stops, Jerry. So that's what Newman does. You know, Newman runs in the background for you, whether it's part of your CI environment or if you want to script it using bash scripts or whatever you prefer. And it takes those collections that you create in the Postman authoring environment and you plug it in and it runs exactly the same way as it runs in Postman because they share the same runtime. So you can use it for a lot of different ways. But yeah, Newman is what helps you keep running. <laughs> Right, I forgot that Newman actually is a postman in the show. Yes. <laughs> that uh, was that's pretty funny. There. Users can actually create APIs within Postman. Why would I want to do that? That almost sounds like a tool of a IDE. So, you know, as you're talking about Postman as a collaboration, you know, platform, I think and and the second thing we talked about like this philosophy of API first. Right? So, typically what we saw developers starting with was their ID, writing some code in, and then kind of going on from there. What we understood was that this was such a common pattern and APIs have become kind of like this separate abstraction altogether, you know, when you kind of put code aside that needs more attention, more tooling, more specific kind of guidance around the process of building APIs. So what we did with this feature here was of course, let you use the formats or specifications that you are coming from. You can connect Postman to a repository. So we can fetch a schema that you probably have written before and then kind of refine it in Postman's API feature. But it kind of goes back to like, you know, just helping you think through being API for. So before you write a line of code, before you jump to your editor, you start specking out and prototyping your APIs there. And once you're ready, then you kind of hand it off for development and actually writing on a business logic. So the idea is that you should not commit too much until you know exactly, or let's say not exactly, but generally with a fair degree of margin of error that this is the API that you're gonna build. Now, what that feature lets you do is not just write the specification, but also help teams guide through this whole process of taking the API all the way to production. So one of the things we understood was that every team rediscovers this process that I should have probably prototype my API at least once between front-end and back-end developers. At least I should have written some documentation before. And what happens with this kind of API last approach that we call it is that you are kind of always catching up to what is already there. So you kind of have to understand what's going on. And when you're catching up, there are always kind of new demands. So all of your engineering processes around building APIs fall behind. So the feature helps you structure you know, those thoughts and you can in the API feature, actually link together your collections with specific versions of your API. So for example, if you have like 10 collections which run your API test suite, you can link them all to the API feature in Postman and say, these are all my collections for version one. These are all my collections for version two. These are all my collections for version three. And then you can run them all together in one go. And this is more intended for software architects. You know? So if you want to structure the engineering process of building your API, you use that 
while also making sure that your developers and your testers are also on the same page with the tools that you know they are using. Can you say more about that workflow? So how does it benefit developers to spend all that time specking out the API before the actual creation, publication of the API? I'd say for a developer working on API, that's probably one of the most important things that they should be doing. Typically, that exercise would be done on whiteboards or on unstructured documents. What it helps you do is catch issues and bugs and I'd say, you know, even mental inconsistencies about your API very, very early on without overly committing to a process of developing course. If you look at a regular sprint cycle, two weeks or four weeks, once you are in that sprint cycle and you're kind of writing code upfront, it can always, you know, be very taxing to go back and repeat your work, you know, to test those, to rewrite that code, to retest those APIs, just because you found out, hey, that thing was not needed. And some of these practices, you know, for us actually come from the product design world, right? So product design doesn't start with, oh, let's go and build like the, you know, best thing like right off the bat. You know, you want to understand who your consumers are. You want to understand what their needs are. So if you borrow from that analogy, like writing code is, you know, just shipping out the first thing that you thought of right away. But when you spend that time and energy earlier in the process, you just prevent so much pain down the road. And the more people you involve in the process is just so much better. If you can involve your front-end developer early and they can say, hey, I don't actually need like 100 records every time. I'm fine with just 10 records, right? My API might be more performant that way. The quality engineer asks you to check for, hey, have you looked at, I don't know, a time zone setting, you know, early on into the process. So you can prevent all these things very early on because once an API goes out in production and an API consumer starts using it, you know, we talked about Hiram's law before, then you can't take the API out. It's just out there. Like, I mean, we have seen companies supporting, you know, hundreds of like dated versions of the API with small increments over time. You just can't take the API out because you have established a contract with the consumer, you know, to deliver that API. So that early effort helps developers have an easier life. It helps consumers. It helps engineers who are deploying the API. It also helps architects as they scale up from one API to hundreds of APIs within an organization. They can check for compliance rules, governance rules, all those things that are a critical part of delivering APIs at scale. Mm. I'd like to understand better what is on your servers. So if I think about my Postman client and I'm hitting a API that is hosted on my infrastructure, what is going through Postman and what is getting saved on your infrastructure? So the API runs on your infrastructure. If you sign up for a Postman account, then we can help you back up your requests. And those requests would be stored on our platform. That is what then eventually powers collaboration and sharing. You can be as flexible like as you like. So sometimes if you want to sync responses, if you're in a development environment, you can do that or you can you know, turn that off and you know those things would not hit our servers. You can keep your keys and passwords locally on your client and parameterize them using what we have as environment variables. So you can sync only the metadata parts on the collaboration platform that we have on the cloud, but everything else runs on your infrastructure 
and only the things that you need for sharing and kind of backing up is what gets to our cloud. We are not in the pathway of sending those requests. Postman runs locally on your machine. Newman runs locally on your machine. And when you decide to opt in for those things with an account, that's when these things become available to you. Also, you can still use Postman in a totally locked down client state if you want to. You don't have to create an account and the full feature set of all the client-side tooling is available to you. And the same goes for Newman. Can you help me understand what's the bigger vision for Postman? Where can you go in terms of API collaboration beyond the things you've already built? So we have, you know, we get hundreds of requests like every week on where we could go. Almost all of this stuff that we have built is actually coming from developers themselves. And I actually thought, you know, when you start the company that we'll do like these five things and we'll be done. Like we drew this beautiful ideal cycle of the API, testing, mocking, monitoring, and we thought we'd be done. And then what we've seen is that people just kind of want more every single week. So some of the interesting challenges that we are seeing is in performance testing and security testing of the API, running API integrations for people. And I'd say one of some of our shorter term goals are basically bringing this whole community of people building and consuming APIs on the same platform. Recently, we introduced what we call the Postman API network through which public API publishers can come on Postman and publish the most up-to-date versions of their APIs on Postman, which become available for other developers to consume. So where we envision this going is all of the world's APIs are available for all the developers in the world who are on Postman to use those APIs you know, very effectively. It's a big vision. So it's like an index of different APIs that are available to you. Coming directly from the publishers. Mm. And tell me more about the business. So what's the current business structure and what do people pay for? So our customers pay us for collaboration and for the tools that they use in the cloud when they want to use them at higher quantities. So we give away the Postman client some amount of collaboration for free, as well as most of our tools for developers to work with. And when you start paying for Postman is when you have adopted Postman for your team's workflow. And that could be a small team of you know three people or probably a large company to you know scaling up to hundreds of thousands of people in Postman. We have three plans. We have a team plan, which fits smaller teams. We have a business tier, which fits slightly larger teams. And then we have an enterprise layer, which you know comes with all the things that typical enterprises need in terms of custom roles and what we have on the roadmap is reporting and user groups and all of that. So when you start deploying Postman at scale in your organization, you would typically go for enterprise. But most of our customers actually just buy the product online on team or the business tier themselves. And they primarily pay for collaboration and some of the cloud hosted tools. What are the biggest engineering problems that you're faced with right now? So I'd say one of our biggest focus has been just performance. You know, Postman we are basically helping developers work with all the APIs that are in existence in the world today. You know, so it's scaling up Postman as a product and as an engineering system to accommodate for all the ways in which devices are connecting with each other. Right? So we first started with HTTP APIs. We are actually going to be supporting 
asynchronous APIs in the future, like WebSockets or other asynchronous technologies. And that's a very big challenge for us. How do you kind of keep the simplicity and the performance of the product so that people can kind of, you know, do all of this? A big thing for us is also like the pace of uh, software delivery. Like how quickly can we iterate on the product and kind of get things out to production? We made a lot of progress on that. You know, we ship like a new version every two weeks and on the cloud, but we ship something every day. And on the backend side, we just have to work with, you know, tons and tons of data that we have to deliver to developers in a real-time way. So we have to, you know, we build this massive kind of infrastructure on AWS, but the experience for developers is still, you know, what they've learned to love. To kind of give them that experience with, you know, hundreds of people working together in real time with hundreds of thousands of APIs across all of those different kinds of APIs is, is a huge challenge. And that's why we kind of get like something every week. You know, once Postman starts getting used, then you're like, I want to send every API in Postman and I want to send every API in Postman with everybody else. So it's, it's just crazy to just, you know, meet that demand. But what we love, it's been amazing for us to, you know, handle that. Are there any management lessons that you've learned as you have incidentally gone from building what well, started off as a side project and eventually building a large company? I've learned a lot from, you know, my mistakes. That's how you kind of like, you know, eventually end up understanding, you know, the difference between what you read and what you implement. So I'd say one of the biggest things for us was, or at least like that's the one that kind of coming top of my mind, right? When you when you start with a small team or a solo developer and right? you're doing everything, right? Like you're doing you're doing the marketing, you're doing the selling bit to you know whoever is required you're doing the recruiting and scaling up that system requires like a mix of different talents and in the initial phases you are not ready to you don't probably even understand all the bits and pieces that kind of go in so at what time you kind of give control away while also trusting that you know this other person who's coming in or this team that is coming in will operate the right way and we have kind of gone on both ends of the spectrum we were like hey, this is this big challenge, go and build it. And what we learned was that people were excited, but they would freak out. You know, like if, if you had to push an app to like a million people next week, you would, we thought people would be excited about that challenge because we were doing it, but they just weren't ready yet. So we had to build these systems so people could come in, they would learn a little bit. Like every new developer who comes to Postman, actually every Postman, their first job is to build a Postman collection. So until you have built a Postman collection and demoed it, we don't expect that you learn the product yet. Okay, so we kind of had to get people to execute at the maximum scale possible. We had to build those guardrails that they can walk through before we let them free. And I guess my biggest lesson was that I was implicitly assumed that everybody else would know as much about Postman as me, would be as excited about Postman as me, and they would just go for it. Like, what else is there to not like? So I, I learned that I had to I had to do some work there, you know, to get people up to speed. And they were as excited as, as I needed to be, but, you know... <laughs> We need to give them the guardrails before they can execute. Okay, last question. Are there any technologies or SaaS products or platform products that have surprised you in how useful they were in building Postman? Hmm. I think one of the things that we saw a lot of value in eventually was using Looker as a platform. 
So one of the fundamental problems that we were running into as we were scaling the organization was different teams at Postman would have different dashboards, like engineering would have something in Grafana, sales would have something in Salesforce, product would have something somewhere else. So what we decided to do was basically have a dedicated team to help us manage all of these APIs and integrations and effectively map to us you know, for public APIs. But building and managing them all through Looker, I think Google acquired the company recently, was, was very, very useful. It helped the company a lot into understanding all these different aspects of Postman, both as a product, as an engineering challenge, and as a business challenge. Okay, Abhinav. Well, it's been really great talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeff.